0: You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and
1: what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice
2: Cherry.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. Now, of course, you've been listening to the show for the past few months, really at any time this year, I feel like you've heard me talk about the 10th Collective, which is this new initiative between State of Black Design and Revision Path. And the goal of this initiative is to pair up black designers that are looking for work with companies that are looking to hire black designers. Now, there's been a lot of layoffs in the past few months. I know a lot of people out there are looking for work. I'm out here looking for work. And let me tell you, the 10th Collective is a great asset to have in your back pocket for your job search so if you're a black designer you're looking for your next opportunity keep listening because this is for you it's super easy to join the 10th collective it's actually free all you have to do is fill out a short profile and you're all set once you're a part of the 10th collective you'll be contacted by companies when they're ready to talk to you and you can also hide your profile from companies or remain completely anonymous. Really great if you're working somewhere and you're just kind of casting out feelers to see what else might be out there. Also, for companies that uh, put listings on our job board, they will automatically gain access to the 10th Collective. So for them, they can sort of source directly from members of the 10th Collective for any sorts of new jobs that might be coming up. I know some companies have kind of went on hiring freezes over the past few months, especially now that we're near the end of the year. But I'm telling you, come January, companies will be looking and you'll want to be a part of the 10th Collective. So if you want to sign up, head over to the 10thcollective.com to join or check out the link in the show notes. We're still kind of working out our rate structure. I think right now we've kind of got a good sweet spot for companies that are looking to join. But for members, 100% free. Please sign up today. Hope to see you there. This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With over 400-plus domain extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions, Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. So what are you waiting for? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with director, painter, graphic designer, and illustrator, TTK. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name
1: is uh, TTK. What I do, I'm an artist. I'm a designer. Currently, I work in advertising I'm a director. I'm a painter. I wear a few hats. How has the year been going for you so far? The year's been good for me so far, man. The year's been very, very good. What I usually... How I measure if the year's doing good, I measure if I'm doing something this year that I didn't do the previous year or if I accomplish something this year that I didn't in the previous year. It, it, that kind of determines for me whether it's good or not. So... We're like going into like the fourth quarter right now. So the accomplishments and um, what I've accomplished so far in this year, I'm really proud of myself. You know, I, you know, I took a few punches, but that's life right there. You know, I hop back up and take it on the chin and take it as like a lesson learned. But all in all, see, it's good for me. It's been going great.
0: Is there anything in particular that you still want to try to do before the year ends?
1: Paint more. <laughs> Like a friend of mine jokes and it says like, you know, once I learned how to like do digital work, it made me lazy with painting. And I don't want to admit it, but he's kind of right because, you know, painting is is a process Well, everything is a process. But whenever you're painting, you know, you got to wait for the paint to dry, come back to it and work into it some more and work into it some more. It takes much longer. And you would think with me being traditionally trained before I even learned how to do anything in Photoshop or any Software, you know, I was doing this first years before I knew how to use like any software. You would think I would be conditioned for it, but learning how to work in like digital just made me just work faster and have like less patience. Maybe because working, you know, in the industry, working in agencies, working in companies, you know, I'm on a timeline where I got to turn this stuff around fast. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be very competitive. Whereas with painting, this can take. Because I'm so meticulous with like the details and everything when I'm painting, it can take anywhere from <laughs> weeks to a month. Depends on how much time I, you know, I don't try not to take, a, well, I try not to take breaks in between, but I, I wind up doing that anyway. All that to say, I just want to paint more, you know, knock out more pieces because I got a solo show coming out in 2023, a solo art show. It's like the first solo show that I've done in, oh my God, like probably... 12 or 13 years were like all like original pieces so i'm kind of like on the clock right now you know like it's next year like in the spring but um time catches up real quick you know so i gotta start cranking like really cranking out pieces so yeah all that to say i want to paint more
0: yeah i find when visual creators particularly like when they get further along in their career they often want to go back to like some sort of like physical tangible way of yeah. creating, you know, like you said, the doing it digitally does make you faster. But like there's a craft in the visual art that gets lost. I think sometimes when you're relying too much on digital tools.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I joke and say whenever you're painting, you know, people will ask me like, can I get this? Can, can I commission you for this piece? And I'm like, "Yo, know, truthfully, it'd be probably easier for you on your budget to commission me to do something digitally because mm-hmm. like paintings. It takes a while. Well, for me, it takes a while because there's a certain level of quality that I want to put out. And there's no command Z to go back when I make a mistake or it doesn't <laughs> come out the way I want it to look. You know, I got to wait for it to dry and then I got to go back and rework it. Or, you know, I'm mixing these colors and in, in the tubes of paint ain't cheap. You know what I'm saying? You can buy the cheap stuff, but you're going to get cheap results. You know, it really adds up. But um, all in all, this is always like my first love right here. And I'll always go back to that. You know, I was just working on like this piece that I'm currently working on. I've been working on it about like two months now. I just like, you know, thinking of working in it, I forget about like how I used to feel like painting before I was doing anything digitally, like how I would just put an album on, put a CD on, put a record on, just rock out for like hours on, you know? And I was, yeah. I kind of missed that feeling, you know, of, Seclusion and just painting. You know, I was watching something, one of those shows that come on Sunday, like one of the Sunday weekly news shows or whatever. But they were talking about this is a few months back. They were talk- talking about George Bush, like how he put out a book. Maybe it was last year. It was a book about people in across the nation or people in this community or something like that. But it was it was his paintings mm-hmm. and these people and like you know, I was like we don't really rock with George Bush. You know what I'm saying? We don't rock with George Bush, but like his paintings weren't bad. You know what I'm saying? like, man, this dude is actually, isn't that bad. You know, he was on his ranch, just painting or whatever and everything. I was like, I never would have guessed that, you know, from this guy. But I'm like, man, Mm -hmm. I would love that life just to be in a loft somewhere. Just, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere, just painting. I don't know, man. One day, one day I'm going to speak into existence.
0: I think you'll get there. You'll get there. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about, your day job what you do you're a, a senior art director at Havas which is a ad and PR company.
1: Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I've been at like Havas for about like 3 years now. It's been good, you know what I'm saying? A lot of opportunities have come come for me being there. What I do, I work on clients like the main client that I've worked on since I've been there is um, Michelin and doing stuff for um Michelin social and, and you know, I got a chance to like kind of be not, not kind of be. I got a chance to be very creative with their brand. I worked on stuff for like Mike's Heart Lemonade. Worked on a few other um, projects, but I'm, I'm, my mind is blank right now. But Michelin is probably like the main one that comes to mind because I I've, I've been on the brand like pretty much eighty percent of the time. The time I've been there, uh, one thing I can say about working on stuff for Michelin is that I'm kind of blessed. It. like everything I touch, I've been able to add like my own personal. Touch or like flair to it that they probably wouldn't have done, you know. Whereas you know, I kind of push the limits where I can bring my personality and my style of creativity to a brand like that that has like so much rich history, history, and you know, it's been doing something a certain way for so long. But I've been able to like you know bring like my look and feel to it, and and. It, explain to them like why this works, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they've been open and they've been receptive to it. Not a lot of, you know, sometimes we get pushed back. Of course, that's just how it goes. But, uh, but for the most part, I think with me being working on the brand for so long, I kind of know the do's and don'ts and know where I can push it and where I can't, but the areas where I can push it, I really try to flex and like, you know, really do something where, If someone's scrolling, if they're scrolling on their phone or whatever and they see this graphic, like, oh, this is pretty dope right here. It would make, you know, me as a consumer want to check out more about this product right here. So, yeah.
0: And now you started there in uh, October of 2019, which it feels like with this pandemic, that feels like a lifetime ago. But how did the pandemic kind of change up how you work?
1: (laughs) It's funny you say that because I was doing like prior to me working. Right now, I worked out of the Chicago office. And prior to me, you know, working out of the Chicago office, I was, um, you know, I'm, I was in New York, I was in, um, in in Brooklyn, I was doing freelance work for them. And then, you know, they, they gave me a full time, offered me a full time role. And I was like, hey, I'm already doing freelance for you guys, like out here, you know, and, and um, I'm, I'm delivering what you're me for, you know, can I just stay like, out here in New York, there's a like, oh, we kind of want to have you in the office. So I am moved cross-country. And then, you know, a couple of months later, everybody's working from home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so
2: <laughs>
1: I was like, yo, my um partner, Siobhan, she was working remote as well at the time for a nonprofit. And she had been telling me like, yo, everybody in her nonprofit is like all over the country. You know what I'm saying? Working like you're doing the same thing. But, you know, I came out here. Yeah, the working from home thing, it it definitely, you know, I always say like as messed up as, you know, the pandemic has been and like COVID and all of that, it was a big reset to show like some of these jobs that we do, the way we do them is like outdated. And this is just my opinion. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, going into office every day, five days a week, sometimes six and sitting there for like eight, 10 hours just to say that you're, you're here, we can do the work everywhere. You know, you look at people like on, what's what's the site? Like Fiber. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? You don't know where these people are at, but they still delivering stuff for you or whatever, you know? And that's kind of like what, you know, this pandemic showed, you know, in my opinion, what it showed is, thankfully, the type of work that we do, the digital creative stuff, we can do it from anywhere. It definitely, you know, opened up my eyes and everything, because I feel like I was, I mean, like a lot of us, we were programmed to just come into do like going to the office just sit there and just look watching the clock waiting for like 5 30 6 30 to come you know paying 15 dollars for lunch every day all of that right there you know it's i don't mind working remotely at all man you know what i'm saying i don't i don't mind it you know truthfully i know me personally i can be extrovert I can be like reclusive as well. You know, when it comes to creative, like when I'm creating, sometimes I just like to be alone. I think we can collaborate, but I like to be alone. I get like my best, I'm able to, you know, execute the way I really want to execute and execute like my best way sometimes when I'm alone. So, I mean, I don't mind working remote. I actually love it. (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) What's a typical day look like
1: for you? I juggle a few things, man. It depends on like the workload sometimes, man. A lot of times, like when I was working like heavy, you know, working heavy like on Michelin when we had like a lot of deliverables for um the brand, you know, it would be like coming up with like all these different like creative pillars of ways to like how the brand incorporates into travel or how they incorporate with food, how they incorporate it in like their heritage, you know, coming up with like creative ways to display this stuff right here, like getting things ready for a client meeting. So a lot of times, basically, the day starts, we get briefed on what's due, what, what everyone's working on. And that's pretty much it, you know, like thankfully for me, you know, and I'm just well, you know, I'm in a space where I can just do what I need to do and no one really bothers me, I guess, because maybe they know that's how I operate best. So that's pretty much my work day as far as like doing like side projects or painting. Well, the painting's more so like, uh, like recent, things. You know, I take breaks in between that. Sometimes I might work on a little side project here, work like do a little brush strokes on the painting for maybe about like, I don't know, 15 minutes, come back to it a couple hours later. My day is basically just me being creative. I'm, I'm thankful to say that, like, I enjoy what I do and I have fun doing what I do. And it's how I envision my life. No stress. You know, I'm not, I'm not working in the cold. I've been there before. I've done a lot of things, man. I'm thankful that like right now, like every day when I wake up, no two days are the same, but every day when I wake up, man, I I can honestly say like, I'm not stressed about what I'm doing and I'm doing what I love to do. It may not be the exact project that I want to work on, you know, but Mm -hmm. at least I can say that, you know, my day consists of me being creative and I'm getting paid to be creative, you know? So, yeah,
0: Yeah. no, that's a good thing. I mean, I think especially, you know, agencies kind of tend to get the reputation. I don't know if they get the best reputation. I'll put it that way sometimes because you're often working from client to client. So you don't have a lot of time to kind of spend with maybe a particular brand to do something before you're put on another project or put on another campaign or something like that. But it sounds like with what you're doing, especially because you mentioned earlier, you've been on the Michelin kind of brand for so long. You've had time to kind of grow into it in a way.
1: It's cool because like, you know, I've had access to all of like their assets and like their personal login site where it's so many assets, so much history. And, you you know, that's a cool thing about working on a brand like this right here that's been around for like over 100 years. There's so much that you can pull from and not to sound cliche, but. A lot of times, you with working on this brand, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, everything is kinda, <laughs> everything is kind of there already. You know, you just got to figure out how to like repurpose it. So,
2: yeah,
1: I worked on um, what's the the faucet brand, Moen. I worked on Moen briefly. I worked on um, Yellowstone National Park. I don't know if I said it before, but Mike's Heart Lemonade. I worked on that for that was cool working on that. This was pre pandemic. We had a cool. A very, very dope idea and, and campaign for Mike's Heart Lemonade, but he didn't see the light of day because, you know, the pandemic happened at the time. The right. pandemic happened and everything shut down. So, you know, we had to like redirect the direction of where we wanted to go. And it was a like a much, much, much more scaled down version of, it wasn't even scaled down. It was a whole new direction. So everything that we created, the hours that we spent, no one really will ever see this out into the world, you know? So, I mean, but that's the nature of the game. You know, you take it how it comes, man.
0: Yeah. Now you've worked before as a graphic designer. We'll talk about that a little later. And now you're an art director at an agency. How would you describe like the difference in those two?
1: I don't think there is any difference, man. Personally, I, I don't. Maybe on paper, you know, where it says like what the roles are, what the responsibilities are. You know, on paper, it probably says certain things. But from my personal experience, I was doing like kind of the same thing, like coming up with what ideas, coming up with ideas, coming up with ways to execute this thing, thinking of ways where we can places where we can place these ideas so people can see it and engage with it. You know, it's similar to what I'm doing now. It's just I worked in music, working at Massaelle. I worked on the record label side of the house. And, you know, sometimes I would work on, like, the agency side as well. But it, it it's the same thing. You know, just one's more culturally hip-hop-based. The other one's more, you know, very American and reaches a, a broader audience and selling products. But, I mean, selling music is like selling products as well, man. You know, so it's the same thing. You know, I, I, where I see it, I think the only thing probably changes <laughs> the company that you're getting a check from. You know, I always always joke, and, and I say this, to people and not to sound like a Debbie Downer or nothing like that, but you pick your poison. You know, what are you able to accept and what are you able to deal with in whatever role or company or agency that you're with? But I don't find it any different at all. Mm.
0: Is that the most challenging part about what you do, what you just mentioned?
1: I think the most challenging part about this right here that, you know, working in design and advertising, from my experience, it's a revolving door. I don't know too many people that's been in like one spot for over five years. I just don't. So I've kind of, you know, early on, it was shocking, not necessarily shocking to me, but it affected me emotionally. Like, damn, am I good enough? Or what could I have done differently? You know, but then I understand like, like, you know, it's never personal, you know, it's it's business Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes business is up, sometimes business is down And when business is down, you know, you might get cut. And that's just the nature of the game. And I think that's where it just comes in, you know, like in in trying to figure out, too, what do you love? You know, you could work on one thing where the money is great, but you don't really care about what you don't, what the work that you're putting out. You know, you're not really in love with the brand or product or whatever that you're working on. And then it could be something where, like, you're all about the mission that this one company or agency has or, You love what you're working on, but the pay isn't the greatest, you know, it's all about trying well, for me, trying to find like that middle, that medium where, okay, I can kind of get the best of both worlds, but all in all, back to what I was saying, it's a revolving door from just from my experience and like a lot of my peers, not too many people I know stick around for a long time. And I don't know whether it's because us being creative, you want to do your own thing eventually or I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make it like a a race thing or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, it kind of goes back to like how do we see ourselves? And well, I mean, for me personally, how do I see myself in a place where there aren't many of people that look like me, you know? Yeah. And can I coexist and naturally be myself in these spaces, you know? So,
0: Yeah. Do you think it might just be like burnout or something?
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a few things. You know, I feel like with Junior people, when they don't have the support or like uh, support from like senior leadership, you got somebody may, might be fresh out of college, you know, and they got all these dreams of like doing, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this award winning stuff. Of course, I mean, everybody's got those thoughts in their heads or whatever, but I feel like you take, you know, someone junior and you put them in a position and you don't give them the support that they need to like grow, it can be discouraging. And people will like, yo, this ain't for me. Yeah. right here, you know, yeah. in, 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 or resourcing or whoever, they may not know a person's, what what's their skill set? What's that person's strength? And the only thing they see is the person's name and a title and then, okay, well, let's put this person on this right here. They may not even be the person that's equipped for that. It's like, playing basketball, you know, you can't have the center playing the the point guard position. You know what I'm saying? It just it don't work <laughs> out like that. You know what right. I'm saying? But well you could, but you're not gonna get the optimum results, you know. So
0: let's kind of switch gears here a little bit and talk more about you, talk about your personal life. Yeah. Tell me about where you grew up.
1: I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I'm originally from. That's where my early years were based out of moved away there. I moved away years ago, years ago. But um I went to high school down there and, um, I was thankful to be in an art program, going to an art school, Douglas Anderson school of the arts, which at the time when I was going there, it was like prestigious art school and everything. Mm -hmm. But my father, when he went there, my father went there back in like the fifties or the sixties or something like that. And at the time when he was going to that school, I think it was a school like for black students, you know. what I'm saying it was a school like when you know, just when segregation and all that stuff was going on. He went to that school like decades before me, so I just think you know it's kind of ironic, you know, that I I end up going there, but it's a whole new different school at the time when I went. But um, yeah, I, you know, I got introduced to the arts there, you know, and you know, it was like what's the old tv show from back in the day fame it was fame, like that yeah you know what i'm saying yeah so it, it was it was a school like that and everything man shortly after i graduated high school you know a couple years went by i tried to dabble in like fashion for a little bit but i couldn't so i realized that wasn't for me you know i could design this stuff but uh i couldn't sew. So, and then I, I, you know going to college for i went to art studio student for a lot of the only for one semester I'm like, yeah, this, I, I can't sell, you know, and then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was cool though. It was cool though. I'm like, it's more than just like, you know, drawing illustrations and everything. You know, some years went by in between me having a child after graduating high school. I just joined the Navy. I joined the Navy cold turkey one day. I went to a recruiter and I was like, yo, I need a job. You know what I'm saying? I need a job. I can't get fired from maybe because The jobs I had at the time, you know, life put me on a path where I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do, like creatively, Mm -hmm. creatively. So I was just, you know, just working jobs. I'm like, damn, this ain't it right here. This really ain't it. I'm 21, 22 trying to figure life out. And I was like, yo, I went to a recruiter one day. And I was like, yo, let me just hear what you got to say. I didn't even think I was going to sign up, but they hustled me like a car salesman, you know, like a used of course.
2: car salesman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and at the time, they told me like, yeah, you can get a, a sign-on bonus for like $7,000. Like at the time when they told me that, you know, $7,000, I had never seen $7,000 before that minus, when they said $7,000, I'm seeing a million dollars in my head, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I was like, "Yo, yeah, let's do it." And I, and I joined and I joined the Navy in September, two thousand and one. Like I went, "Yo, it's crazy." I went to a recruiter station on a Friday. September eleventh happened that Tuesday. Two weeks later, I was in boot camp. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I was in boot camp, yeah. And <laughs> I was in the Navy for for ten years. You know, I was um I'm an ex submariner. I was on submarines, you know, it's not many brothers on subs, you know, at the time when I was on, you know, in the early two thousands and everything. Yeah. And, you know, with me being in the Navy and being mostly, you know, in the North or whatever, the bulk of the time I was in the Navy, you know, I started playing my roots in New York and in Brooklyn. You know, a lot of people think I'm originally from Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? That's my second home, but
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm originally from um, Florida, from Jacksonville, man. So I got roots down there as well. We're all over the place right now. What do you want me to say? <laughs> What else you want to know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious about this 10 years in the Navy. Like, yeah. I mean, first of all, my dad's a Navy man. So I understand okay. kind of okay. like what that's about. But like the whole time that you're doing this, were you like also like still pursuing creative things during this yeah. time or yeah. like, how did that
1: happen? No, mind you at the time I'm I'm in my early twenties, man. You know, I look back on it now. like. I was a kid doing adult shit. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I was trying to figure it out, man, you know, and not you know, and I was a parent as well. You know what I'm saying? I was a parent trying to like take care of a kid. I'm like, I don't really know myself just yet. You know what I'm saying? But
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just know I need to provide some kind of way. And so the first couple of years of just me being in is just me just trying to figure out this thing, figure out this system, like figure out, What I got to do to not get in, get in trouble and still keep some funds in my bank account, you know, and and still perform and, and learn all the things that I need to learn, man. Like I said, I was on submarines and that's, oh man, that's a whole nother world within itself and so much stuff that we have to know, like, you know, from physics, you know, to there's so many things, you know, that I had to remember, like being around like top secret stuff, having a security clearance, working around like nuclear weapons and things like that, man. It, it was a lot. And then in like 2004, you know, I was always doing like drawing or whatever the whole time. Mm-hmm. doing During those early years, you know, drawing like little tattoos for people and stuff like that. But it wasn't until probably around like two thousand and Four, the end of 2004, the, the sub that I was on, we left Norfolk, Virginia, and we went up to Kittery, Maine. Kittery, Maine is like on the border of New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. Maine slash New Hampshire. It wasn't until like, I got up there that I wasn't going out to sea. I'm just going to work for a couple of hours every day then going back to my barracks room. That gave me time to like really do my art the way I really wanted to do it, you know, how because I hadn't really I hadn't done any art for so many years outside of like, you know, high school. And by this time I'm out of school for like maybe like seven years now. So I wasn't really doing anything besides like, you know, maybe sketching in my sketchbook. So seven years of not producing any work, you know, it was it was really kind of eating away at me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I know it's it's more to life than this right here. Yeah. It's more to life, right here. You know, people tell you like, "Oh man, you do your 20 years, you gonna get your retirement or whatever. And you still get out, you be young, you still be able to pursue other things." But I knew, like deep down inside, that that wasn't me. It wasn't for me. But going back to like I was saying, like in 2004, a good friend of mine, he was from the Bronx, and around this time in early 2000, he was like, "Yo, he knew that I like sneakers a lot. I would, I was, you know, this is the early days before." Everybody, the sneaker app and all this other stuff like that. I was always one of those guys that had like mad sneakers, you know what I'm saying? Before everybody knew me for like my clothes and my sneakers and stuff. And they knew I could draw as well. Mm. A good friend of mine at the time, he was like, I guess he had went home for the weekend. He was from, he was from the Bronx. He went home for the weekend one time and some He comes back. He was like, I see these dudes customizing sneakers and everything. Why don't you like start doing that? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've always thought about it, but I never really tried to pursue it, you know. And um, I started, like, searching, like, online, trying to figure out what paints and stuff I need to get. And once I, I figured out the right paints and everything, I think that's when it really, really took off, where it really began for me, you know, as being an artist and putting my work out into the world through sneakers, you know, like people you know, this is the early days too. This is around like 05, 06, you know, going a little forward. Mm -hmm. The MySpace days, you know, me just putting my stuff like upon MySpace at the time and people checking for it. And it was like, I was running like a business out of my barracks room, like in, up in Maine. Nobody knew like who I was, you know what I'm saying? No one knew like who I was. They just knew the name TTK. That was my tag that, I went by my real name is Michael Harris. It's a very generic name. There's always another Michael Harris everywhere I go, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I gotta I gotta do something that kind of makes me stand down or whatever. So <laughs> TTK was like, you know, I was always in the graffiti and stuff, man. So TTK was like the initials that I that I like to tag and I just like the way the just the way it looks, the two T's together and the K, like from a design point, you know, I just like the way it looks. Yeah. So everybody just knew like, yo, this guy named TTK is customizing sneakers. And this is the early days. So there wasn't a lot of people doing it like how it is now, you know, almost, you know, 20 years later, that really showed like, you know, like kind of opened my eyes, like while well, I'm doing what I love to do, and I'm getting paid to do what I want to do. This is what I want to do right here. You know, I don't know whether it's going to be customizing sneakers or working for Nike or whoever one day, but I'm being creative, and I'm getting paid to be creative. You know, like this navy thing. I mean, this right here is going to be my way out.
0: I was, you know, just kind of asking, like, were you still doing design and stuff, or or interested in design this whole time while you're in the navy? And it sounds like you turned it into like a profitable side business, almost.
1: Yeah, that led to me doing a bunch of other things. And like I said, I always wanted to be. I went to high school for like visual arts. You know, traditional means in the '90s, man, like painting and things like that. So. I knew I wanted to paint, but I know I couldn't carry a big canvas with me everywhere. Yeah. And I know not everybody will has an appreciation for, I don't know, fine art or the graphic design. Even though graphic design is, isn't everything that we see and, and interact with, most people don't even realize that. But I was like, wow, how can I show, get my skill set? a show like what I want to bring out to the world and have people buy it, put them on sneakers, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, that, that, you know, I wind up winning the first year of me, like customizing sneakers. Like I wind up being featured in a book. I can't even think of the name of it right now, but it was a sneak. It was a book about like custom sneakers or sneaker art from like the early 2000s, but I was featured in this book. I wind up winning some contests with like finish line at the time. I wound up having like my like two solo art shows at the time. And I wound up um, doing some freelance work for Timberland, the um, the brand. And this is within the first year of me doing this. And I was like, wow, you know what? I got something right here. I'm on to something, you know? And, you know, what I was doing then, like the, you know, it's very, I don't know, I call it maybe it wasn't on the skill level that I'm at right now. But Mm -hmm. I saw like, you know what? Hey, this is. I got something right here, you know. what I'm saying I'm I, I got something right here, and then um shortly after that, I wound up meeting a good a good friend of mine who's like a brother to me, Justice Hall. He was a designer at Timberland at the time, because Timberland's head like headquarters is in New Hampshire. I forget the town that it's in in New Hampshire, but Justice saw my work on display at this um, skateboard shop. He saw like my custom sneakers. And when Justice saw my work, he reached out to me and, you know, he didn't know who I was. He just saw the name TTK and he saw like the work that I was doing. And it was like, yo, this person's dope. I need to find them. And he found me and we connected and he calls me up. It's when I tell this story all the time. But um, when Justice, he got my information from these the guys at the, the skateboard shop in New Hampshire. And they didn't tell him like who I was or anything like that. He was like, "Yo, it's this guy. It's um TTK. Call him up, man. He's dope." So when Justice calls me up and um I answer the phone, I said hello. The first thing he says is um like, "Oh shit, you're black." <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "What well, you thought I was?" And I and the same thing. I was thinking the same thing too because I was like, when they said designer, I you know. I didn't think it was going to be another brother, like, you know, someone the same age as me. You know what I'm saying? It's like into like the same things that I'm into. Yeah. So it was like we were like shocked to like meet each other, you know. And it was crazy because like up there, like where in New Hampshire slash Maine, there aren't many brothers up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like whenever it's funny, it's it's like whenever you see like at the time, whenever it was like you, you see another black person up there, you're like, oh, man, you're from up here? Oh man, where you're from or whatever, man, we should hang out or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. I really didn't see many of us up there or whatever, man. Or, but anyway, so whenever me and justice connected, it was like, he put me on so much and I talk about it all the time. Like he showed me that everything that I wanted to be, I could be it. This guy's the same age, just me, same, similar interests and everything come from similar backgrounds. And this guy is doing all the things that I wanted to do in life at that point. He just encouraged me. And at the time, you know, I didn't, I didn't own a computer. I didn't own anything. The only thing I knew how to do was to paint and just hustle and just do art. And, you know, he told me, he was like, bro, you're a brand and you don't even realize it. Like you created a brand in a barracks room and people are buying your work from all over the world you know he's like you're special man he was like yo you really need to get out the navy man he's like yo i can get you a job right now and i'm like "Oh, well i'm kind of under contract he's like you can't break it i'm like no nah, i can't break you know this contract i get out and at the time i think i had five more years left because i had just re-enlisted so yeah man I, I owe a lot to justice man you know he, he credits me for like giving him like a a breath of fresh air and like you know, inspiring him as well. But I I thank him all the time, man, because if I never met him, I think I would have got to where I needed to go eventually, but it would have probably taken a lot, a little bit longer. Like I said, the time when I met Jess, this is like 2006. He's showing me like his portfolio. I didn't even have a portfolio at the time. I just had, you know, some, um, Photos of my work that I took, and I took them to like what the pharmacy at the time to get the photos developed. So and I just had a little (laughs) lookbook or whatever, man. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't know I was very, very green. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't know. I just knew, I knew I got a good product, and I just know how to hustle. That's the only thing I knew. You know, he's showing me like all his credentials and everything. He's telling me about like yo, I work with Kanye. This is like during like the you know Touch the Sky era and all of that man you know he's showing me this he's showing me the brands he's worked on i'm like uh i did this cool sneaker for my man right here <laughs> you know what i'm saying he was like you don't even worry about the credentials it's gonna come man you trust me you got it once i met him and i saw what i wanted to be it was no turning back after that i was like yo i'm getting out i'm getting out i'll figure it i'm gonna figure it out one way or another fast forward I don't know I can't do the math right now 15 so <laughs> years later I'm here talking to you bro I mean there's a lot of stuff in between that you know I'm jumping over but um yeah, yeah yeah I'm I'm here I'm here and and I think I've done a lot of great stuff my name is in places where I only dreamed about or I've worked on things where you know when I was a, a teenager like only like dreamed about working on or thought like Yo, it would be cool if I got to work on this or connect with this person and work on this project. And I did it. I'm still doing it. Sorry for the long rant, yo.
0: No, no, yo, it's all good. Let's hop forward to 2011. That's when you, you got out of the Navy. You had been in the Navy for roughly about a decade. And then right afterwards, you enrolled in City Tech, which is a university in New York City. Talk to me about that time.
1: It was interesting, man, you know, because I, I was so hyped to get out and, and just be, a civilian again. Cause you know, in fact, most people didn't even know that I was in the Navy because I was doing so much like my artwork, putting my work out there. By this time, I'm I'm not really even doing sneakers anymore. I'm doing, I'm painting and people know me for like my paintings. So it was an interesting time, you know, but I knew just from like the, from my first time going to college, like in the late nineties, like I'm like, I, things are getting, it's digital now, you know, like, I just can't see myself going to school to pay, to be a fine artist. Nothing against people who do, you know what I'm saying? But but for me, like I said, I, I had bills, you know what I'm saying? I still had, you know, you know, some kids to support. So I'm like, alright I got to, how can I be creative and get paid to be creative? So I went back, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I'm like, All right, do I want to, I'm like, I know, I knew the process of applying for like a, you know, for art colleges just from the past, but I'm, I'm like, damn, I don't really have any work that represents like what people are looking for in this current state of the world, like 2011. And I was like, man, what? I know I got the skills, but I don't necessarily have the work to show it. But, and you know, someone told me a good friend of mine, he told me, he's like, yo, why don't you go to city tech? I'm like, what's city tech? He was like, you can get the same education there at a fraction of the price. He's like a lot of the teachers, they teach there. They teach it like the big name schools as well, you know. And I was like, I mean, ain't you yo, you don't even gotta do a portfolio, you just go and you show up, just apply. So I went to City Tech, I applied, I got in, and within like maybe, I don't know, two weeks of me getting out the Navy, it's my first day of class. And, you know, the first year or so I'm trying to figure out like, all right, what do I wanna do? I didn't feel like I was being challenged and then maybe like the Almost at the around the first year of me being there, I was in a class with this um, professor named um, Douglas Davis, mm. and he was the person, whether he knows it or not, he's the person that really inspired me to stay at City Tech because I met him in the first day of his class. I saw like he was speaking in a language that I understood and. I just like this whole, the way he just came across in the room, you know what I'm saying? I'll never forget this. I mean, this is over 10 years ago, but um, the first day of class, he comes in, you know, he looks, he's not much older than me. So he's look you know, he looks young. He looks like he could possibly be a student at the time. He comes in and he, you know, and he says, my name is Douglas Davis. He's like, what I do, I get money. He said, like, you listen to me, you'll get money too. <laughs> you know, and, he, and he, he was like he, he said something I think he says I'm surprised I remember it like it was yesterday he said my wife she don't gotta work I bring home enough money to support my family doing what I love he's like you listen to me I'm gonna give you everything that I got but when I ask for it back you better give me 100% I'm gonna run this class like it's an agency if this ain't gonna be for you I'm not gonna judge you I'll help you get to where you need to be but if you're here for the ride let's work and I was like, "Oh man, wow! You know, I, ne- I never heard a uh, no no professor in a classroom talk like that." And I was like, "Wow, I, his whole presence, you know." I'm like, "Yo, he's talking. Yeah, he's really talking the way I like. you know, he's saying what I want to hear. Yeah, man." And that really put me on the path of like going like the route of learning about like advertising and you know the stuff that I've been seeing for my whole entire life and just wondering why, like, wow, I, I like the way this ad looks, but I don't, I can't explain why I like it. Being around him and, and other professors as well. But that really, I guess I feel like it cemented me in at city tech where it's like, right, I'm not going anywhere. Cause I like where I, I like studying under this guy right here. I like studying under this other professor right here. They're talking in the language that I want to you know what I'm saying, that I want to hear, you know, and they're mm-hmm. telling me the things that I need to know to apply to what I do already. So yeah, man, that's kind of like my, how I ended up at city tech.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Douglas Davidson. We've had on the show twice yeah. now. That's the first time I've heard like his, his classroom style though. But as you described oh, it, I was like, yeah, that's hundred percent him.
1: Yo man, like I tell you, like, he's a great guy. Like no joke, man. When I was in his class, I felt like I was on, What's the one show? Like, like making a band or something like that. Man.
2: You know what I'm saying? Because,
1: because I didn't want to mess up. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to mess up. The nights like leading up to like the days when we had to present, it was like, you know, he's like, yo, when the door is shut, the door is shut. If you're not in, you're not in. So I would like make sure, you know, I'm on the train early. That way I'm not late to class that day and everything and have everything set up, staying up all night, like just trying to get it right. And just going up there because he he didn't hold any punches or whatever like that. He really ran it. His classroom, he didn't run it like a classroom. He ran it like it was an agency, like it was a business. He's a great guy, man. Like You can tell he really cared about what the people that, you know, the students that he was working with and, you know, and he he was there like he's a real special person, man. He's a re- a real special person. And he's someone that I'm very happy that, you know, I was blessed to meet in my journey along the way.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that journey, you documented a lot of this in a recent project that you released called "Just Like Me." Uh, You directed it. You put the whole thing together. Douglas was in it as well. Talk to me about the documentary. Like, first of all, why did you decide to do a documentary?
1: With the documentary that came about, like, well, it's actually it's an idea I've had in my head for like many, many years, but I just never really talked about it. I I didn't really talk about it to anyone, maybe one person, but it's just something that I had like in the back of my head. I was like, if the opportunity presents itself, It'd be cool to make this thing, you know, it's just something like a passion project. And (laughs) I, the opportunity came sooner than what I thought it was going to come in life. But, um, around the time when, um, in 2020, summer, 2020, you know, everybody's in the house, the pandemic, COVID, all that stuff. And then the incident with like George Floyd, all like these agencies, you know, and companies having, I don't know, a coming of age moment like, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. we, care, we, we care about we didn't know, you know, what I'm saying what can we do to support black people or whatever like that, man? You know, that was a moment in time where someone said to me, a real good friend of mine, a mentor as well. He said to me, this is a moment in time where you need to use this opportunity to make what you want to make and do what you want to do because i know you can do it you know and and when he said it to me i was like uh-huh you know i'm I'm just thinking like you know from like a point of like like being having anxiety and just you know like the fear of like oh what, what what's the worst thing that could happen you know like this could happen this could happen
2: mm. and i
1: just kind of like brush it off and he came to me he was like yo look man make what you want to make. He's like, yo, and he said, he said said something I'm I'm paraphrasing right now, but he said to me, um, your story is a very, very special story. How does someone go from working on nuclear submarines to knowing all the people that you know and working on the stuff that you worked on? You really have an interesting story, you know? And he said, I'm not telling you what you should make or whatever, but you got something. And I was like, hi. He was like, I'll help you get to a certain point with like putting the pieces together. But after that you run the show, you know, cause I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've never directed a documentary. I mean, I've been around, you know, when documentaries are being made, you know, from like my time working at Masterpill and I saw like how much work goes into making a documentary. You know, I know it's, it's a lot of work. He was like, don't worry, you have what it takes. And I was like, I, right, you know, I, I said, you know, put some days aside. I put together like a little, I wrote up like three paragraphs, three, four paragraphs. I talk about like, basically like the moment in this particular moment in time about like how people were talking about the state of like black people in in America, you know, with all the whole George Floyd things and, you know, Mm -hmm. the police incidents, nothing new. It always happens. But the spotlight was on it in that moment in time. I started thinking about. Like, um, you know, like, like I said, plus these companies are talking about like, yo, we need to bring in more diversity and all these other things like that. I thought about like, why is it that there aren't many black people and there aren't many brown people in these spaces of creativity? I'm like, why is that? You know, and I, and I started thinking about my own personal experiences about like how we don't really hear about them. And it's like, I know a lot of black creators, but the average person don't know who these people are but they've done a lot of great things and they've contributed to a lot of things that are historic now. And I'm sure you know what you're doing, your podcast, you know, like we create a lot of great things that everyone knows and a lot of people benefit from. But a lot of times people don't know who the wizard was behind the curtain that created this thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought about too a lot about like why there aren't many of us in, in, in these spaces. And I thought about like a lot of us don't know that this path exists until maybe much later in life when people got bills, they got families to support and they give up on being a creative. They give up on it because it's always a narrative of being a starving artist. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's
1: not true. You know, going back to something Douglas Davis said to me once and I always quote it, he says, this thing called design it's like the matrix, you know what I'm saying? It affects all of us. It's like we all work, operate in the matrix and everything, but you'll never know the matrix exists until someone points it out to you. And that's like how design is, you know, everything is design, everything. But you don't, most people don't think about like the whole process of that and how it interacts with us. And I thought about like, wow, more of us, more black people knew about this at an early age and were aware that you can make a living off of this. You're not going to be a starving artist. I felt like you could see more of us in these spaces, and in order for me to like try to educate more people on it, I wanted to show people who were influential to me. There are many people who are influential to me, but um, I want to show like a few black men and women who I'm blessed to cross paths with them in my journey and what they meant to me, and not only just show you know who these people are, show their work. Cause a lot of times, you know, I feel like when it comes to designers and things like that, or just anything, I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but I feel like we'll show a person and we show that, you know, and we'll have the title. And but they never well a lot of times you don't know the work that they've done. And if you're like and I think about like if I was sixteen or seventeen years old, I might not know what a creative director is. I might not mm-hmm. even understand what an ad agency is. But I know this Nike shoe right here. I know this this, can, this commercial right here. And now I can connect the dots. Like, oh man, this is the person to help put this thing together right here. You know what I'm saying? Like show the work. So that's what I wanted to do with the project. I wanted to show some people who you know, that were like me and the work that they've done and the work that have, you know, have had impact on so many other people. And I pretty much wanted to make something that what I would have loved to have seen when I was younger. Yeah, so, you know, sorry for the long spill, but um, I wrote up, a, you know, a short paragraph explaining that, like, about, like, how representation is very important. Representation is very important. It's, it's like, you need to see examples, you know, of, like, a roadmap of people that have done things before you that can hopefully, you know, inspire you to want to go down that path. And I, I also told a story, you know, in the pitch, about like how whenever when me and justice met each other, when my man, justice hall, when, we, when me and him met each other in the early two thousands, why were we surprised that we were both black? We were surprised because we don't see many of us. So it's always, it's, it's a shock whenever we do find it you know, mm-hmm. at that time. So, and that's, you know, I pitched it and I got the green light, you know what I'm saying? I got the green light and, I reached out to everyone, and from Say Adams to Douglas Davis to Julian Alexander, Alicia, Alicia Smalls, Worthington, Dana Gibbons, John Petty the third and Justice Justice Hall. Mm-hmm. I reached out to them, and they were all on board. I connected with uh, my man; he's a creative director, he's a director as well. My man Ben Hype, and he, me and him came up with the whole creative look and vision, and you know, we put it together. I just knew working on this right here. I knew that I I want to make something visually appealing, like visually, visually dope. You know, the message is dope, but I want the the visuals to be engaging as well, where when someone's watching it, they're not going to want to look away, you know, because it's just a beautiful piece, you know? And And I thought about like, what's the series on Netflix? Abstract. Abstract. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I think they out of like what, like two seasons, they may feature one
0: black woman <laughs> or
1: person of color.
0: Like, yeah, they is, they, like, they had they had Ralph Giles in the in the first season, and then in the second season they had oh god, they had Ian Spalter, who's head of uh, Instagram in Japan, and they had okay. Ruth E. Carter from the costumer.
1: Right. Her. Right. I feel like this is just my opinion. I feel like that is just an afterthought. Like, oh, we gotta, we gotta check a box mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But in 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 Abstract is a great series. But if you go off of that, you would think black designers don't exist. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like, like, like. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're we're rare, but it's not as rare as how that series made it seem. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of us, but that's what I want to show. Like, yo, we're we're walking in plain sight every day. And we put a lot of things out into the world that you've seen, but you probably didn't know that, hey, I'm the person behind this right here. Because, like, and not even to sound like this, the cliche or stereotypical, but whenever you, a lot of times when they think of, you know, when you think of basketball, of course, or sports, you think of a black man. You know what I'm saying? When you think of entertainment or whatever, you think of black people. But what about all these other roles and titles out there that we've contributed? a part of, you know, been a part of, you know, and I wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know, show this right here, but not show it like in a preachy way or, in in, you know, or like I'm giving a lecture. I wanted to do it in a way that's like conversational. And I credit my man, Brandon Coleman. He's a designer. He's another one of the first black designers I ever met when I met Justice at the time. But, you know, he kind of gave me the inspiration to go that route. Because like I said, I never, I never done this before. You know, I I never directed anything before. I know what I wanted to see. And I know that I want it to look good. I want it to be visually appealing. But he asked me a question early on. He said, how do you want to tell your message? Do you want to have a lecture or do you want to be conversational? And I was like, uh, I don't know, a lecture. He was like, no, you want to have a conversation. Think about, put yourself back into this, the 16, 17-year-old version of, of you, TTK. Would you, did you like when people were preaching to you? Or did you like when people were like, you know, having a conversation back and forth? He said, if you tell the story like this, I don't know how you're going to do it. But think about that whenever you're trying to put this story together. And that kind of helped me with the whole creative direction. You know, whenever Ben Hype was filming it, I told him, I was like, yo, I want you to show the people, like show their hands, show them moving around, show close-ups of them, you know. So I want you to feel like you're in the room with these people. I want you to feel like you know them. And even though if you may not know them or whatever, but you know their work, you know. But I want the people when they view this, I want them to feel like like it's an intimate moment, like you're close with these people, like you're talking to a cousin or, or someone who's a part of your family or a friend that you've known for years and I think I was able to accomplish that.
0: Yeah, the the documentary is really great. I, I, we'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can check it out. We've had Julian on the show, too. Julian is episode uh, 250, I believe. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, but no, it's a it's a great documentary. I hope everybody will get a chance to check it out. When you sort of had the idea and you put it all together, I mean, sort of like what we talked about, I think, before we started recording about, like, you never know like how it's going to be received. What has the reception been like since the documentaries aired? It's been good. It's been very, very good. I mean, it's
1: slow. You know what I'm saying? It's slow or whatever, but but there's so far, I haven't had anyone say anything. I wish you could have done it this way or whatever this and that. The response is always the same. Like, this is amazing. I've never seen anything quite like this before and it's very real and I feel inspired. I did it. That's what I wanted to do. Like I said, like when I initially pitched the idea, I said, I want to make something that this meant to educate and inspire. Whatever comes after that, you know, is just an extra benefit. You know, I wanted to make something that lives beyond this particular moment in time where if you watch it a year from now, two years, five years, whatever, it's an educational piece. And I want people to be inspired by, it. you know, I want to you know hopefully inspire like the next generation of like black creatives out there you know to show like hey these are people that are alive right now and they're doing it versus i'm hearing about somebody who did some great things back in 1970
2: mm-hmm. i'm like
1: wow i'm hearing about it from someone else's perspective versus hearing it from the person when they're alive right now i thought about I'm going off on, on a rant right now, or whatever, but I think about like how, like say Adams that's featured in a documentary, Like, mm-hmm. right? Why isn't he taught about in schools? You know, we go to, you pay this money to go to school for design and everything. You learn about like all these other designers and they're great people and they've done great things, man. Like I love their work, but say is on that level of, in my opinion, like the Paula Shures and all those other people out there, because he's done so much stuff that people know they know his work, but no, unless you're, like, into this thing called design, you probably wouldn't even know who Say is, you know? And I feel like he's someone who should probably been on the Abstract series. This man
2: mm-hmm.
1: was around in the 70s, New York, you know, going from, like, graffiti on trains to his work in the 80s to the 90s to being in, like, the, what, the, the National african-american smithsonian museum like come on you know what yeah. I'm saying, how come you don't and i'm skipping over like like 40 years worth of work right here you know <laughs> you know because it, it's too much to talk about that he's he that he's accomplished in his lifetime like why isn't he taught about in school and it goes back to what i what i was saying like when you think of like design they don't think of us and mm-hmm. i was like yo i'm not making this to ask for a seat at the table I wanna make this to like just educate us and show us tell these stories like from a real perspective versus someone years later tell the, tell the narrative a certain way. I'm like, I want you to hear from like the people while they're alive, people yeah. who, who are are like heroes to me, people who, whether they know it or not, you know, I took a little bit from all of them to get to this point right here. I want other people to be inspired as well to like accomplish things that I didn't accomplish or we didn't accomplish, but a lot sooner.
0: I feel you a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I can sort of liken it to to like what I do with revision path with having yeah. folks on here. Like I've been able to have people on here at like different parts of their career journey. There's folks who I've had on maybe like in 2014, that yeah. now I can bring back like seven or eight years later and be like, let's talk about how things have changed or something you know so yeah i i totally get that actually i have a a funny story well i don't know if it's funny but i have a story about about abstract so this was in 2019 i think was when the second season was about to come out okay and i had watched the first season well i'm not gonna lie i watched ralph giles's episode on abstract for the first season and that's it because i was like i don't i don't want to hear about everybody else (laughs) um i was like i want to i'm gonna watch his and like the place I was working at the startup at the time, and we were looking for like design firms for a project that we were going to do this like lifestyle vertical. And so one of the agencies we reached out to was uh, Godfrey Dadich, which is in okay. San Francisco. The abstract series came from Godfrey Dadich, Dadich uh-huh. being Scott Dadich, who was the former co-founder of Wired. And mm. I didn't talk to him directly, but I talked to someone at the agency. Cause I was like, yeah, my name is, is Maurice Cherry, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And they were like, oh, we know who you are. I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't like coming to them in like a personal capacity. It was a professional right. capacity and not even for the show. It was for right. my employer at the time. They were uh, talking to me about the second season of abstract. They're like, oh yeah, the second season of abstract is, is coming out. And they were like, I bet you're really going to be excited about this cause we got two black designers for this (laughs) season and i'm like why would i be excited about that yeah yeah. like i I mean yay you found two but i've found hundreds i mean i don't know if they were saying it to be like like solidarity or something i don't know i just thought that was like weird that they brought it up in that way we ended up not going with them not for that reason but okay i was like okay I'll check it out when it airs on Netflix. Like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we've managed to find two great black designers. I'm we like, managed to find. Yeah. We managed <laughs> to find, which is funny that they said that. Cause I was like, one, I've, I've known Ian. Actually, I did an event here in 2017 back when he was, well, he still works for, you know, meta and everything with Instagram, yeah. but I had him at a live event here in Atlanta, uh, for revision path. And then Ruth, I don't know Ruth, but I've had Ruth's, Goddaughter on the show, Courtney Pinter. She lives in Switzerland. I think at the time she was doing like, she was doing flavor design for this company called Givadon. Now she works for FIFA. But I've also had Hannah Beekler to kind of give the Black Panther connection. I had her on the show for episode 300. But to your overarching point around the importance of being able to have people like give their own history and their own words is super important because like when I started revision path you know and this was almost 10 years ago like that's not to say that these stories weren't out there but they were really hard to find oh yes and yes, and one yes. of the few places that I found them was at AIGA when I started volunteering there with the diversity and inclusion task force because right. they would do these like design journeys things and they would talk about folks but like even the way that they sort of like the imagery and everything almost like memorialized them. And keep in mind these people are not dead. Yeah. But they yeah. sort of like memorialized them in this way, like they've gone on to greater things. And I'm like, these folks are still alive. Like what are you, what are you talking about? And like
1: active too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and active. Like me like Michelle Washington's one of the first people that I had met through that. Her and I are working on a book together. Yeah. Maurice Woods, who's been on the show before, Maurice Woods of the Interact Project. I think he's episode, like twelve or thirteen. Emery oh, Douglas wow. from the famous
2: Former of course, minister yeah. of
0: culture from the Black Panther Party, yeah, Aij yeah, yeah. medalist, he's been on the show. That was episode fifteen. But like, I didn't find out about those folks until I volunteered and did that. And the way that even they just put it out there made it seem like these are not living people still doing work. It was almost right. like in memoriam. Like, nah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like when, when I was, we were putting the pieces together for um, just like me, Douglas Davis. He um connected me with Cheryl D. Miller.
0: I don't know oh yeah. Is.
1: Yeah, oh, man. Like, she's, she's episode 248. Oh, man. It was, I felt like I was sitting with royalty, like, talking to her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like we we had, like, me and Davis had, like, you know, some questions, like, to ask her. Man, once she started talking, man, the questions just went out the window. We was, like, we was just, docking, like, she was just dropping so many jewels and so much history and stuff, man. You know, and it's like, wow, how come I didn't know this woman's story? I'm happy that I spoke to her while she's alive, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm you hear it straight from, it's from the source, you know, and she was just talking about like, she was, and she said something, well, I don't know if you remember, but at the very end of um the documentary, Just Like Me, there's a quote from her at the very, very end before the credits, when we were talking, she said something that's sad that your generation has to experience the same thing I experienced. 50 something years ago when like, you know, around the time when like Dr. King died, she was like, yo, all these companies had like an awakening moment for like a, like about a year or two, maybe less than that. And she was like, I've seen it. And this is what's happening right now because of George Floyd. These companies are having like an awakening moment, but it's going to fizzle out. Unfortunately, man. And it sucks that, that if things want to change, we we say we can have all the different programs, DEI, all this, whatever, if you want to change it, change it. And she said something to her. She was like, yo, if they try to tell you that we didn't exist, that's a lie. She said, I got, she said, I'm fortunate that I got all of this stuff because I was alive and I got it I, and I archived it. She just pulls out like a magician. She pulls out
2: an <laughs> issue of
1: like communication, an <laughs> issue of communication arts from like 1970. And I ordered it because of her. Yeah, but She was like, this is one of the first, you know, this is what from like, 50 years ago she just pulls this this magazine out she's like this right here on page whatever mm-hmm. 90 something or whatever you see the black designers right here this is 1970 right here so if they try to tell you that the only person that was out doing things is like milton glazer and all those guys like that she was like nah he was just the only one, only person that was getting the work. That's why you knew about him. But these yep. other people were out here as well, you know. And here, this is their work right here. On, and he said, "I got it in the archives right here, so nobody can ever try to pull a wool over my eye." Mm-hmm. And she was, and and when I I got that issue, I was able to you know back order it online, and I saw Miss uh, Dorothy Hayes. She was um you know um a black designer as well, and I used to see she was a professor at City Tech. And I never knew that this woman was one of the first black designers ever published. You know what I'm saying? I had no clue. I, I don't, I mean, I never had any classes, any of her um classes, but I would just see her like in passing
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm like, wow, there's so much history that we have. And that's why I feel like we got to tell our stories before tell them in real time and tell them authentic and speak to the people who needs to hear it, you know, because you already know how it goes, man. You know, years later, the narrative gets, you know, it gets switched up it gets watered down. Like that's not how it really was, you know? So yeah, man, salute to you for what you do, man. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this right here.
0: Thank you. And yeah, Cheryl is, is, um, a hundred percent right about that. Like when I ran across Cheryl, this was in 20, now you got me here telling stories. This was, this was 2014. And I had just started doing like volunteer stuff with revision. I'm not with Vision Path, with AIGA, started doing volunteer stuff. And that's when I sort of learned about her thesis that she did in 1985, when she was at Pratt, about like black designers and their viability in the industry and how that became this 1987 print article. And then there was this AIGA symposium. And I'm doing all this research like trying to find, well, one, like doing the research on what happened from that thesis. But right. then secondly, I wanted to kind of put it into this presentation that I was putting together that I was going to present called Where Are the Black Designers? Mm. And I was like, is Cheryl still alive? And I remember asking folks at AIGA and they were like, well, we don't know. We don't know what <laughs> happened to her. I was like, let me let me find her. Yeah. And I found her. How did I find Cheryl? Oh, I know. I found her on Amazon. Wow. So she had written a book about her mother. And, like, you know, it had, it, it, like, it wasn't even about design. Like, it was about her mother and the relationship she had with her mother and everything growing up. I just, like, found her book, eventually did some more search and found a website, reached out on a whim, and was like, I'm Mari Cherry. I'm doing this research. I'm putting this stuff together. You know, I'd love to talk to you about this kind of stuff. I mean, when I first encountered Cheryl, like I said, back in 2014, she had kind of put design behind her. Mm. Like, she had had her design work and stuff. She had... I wouldn't say retired, but she like raised a family, became a theologian. Like she was living right. a, a totally different life. And then since then, of course, you know, doing the presentation, and then more people finding out about her work. Like now she's like now she's Doctor Cheryl Miller, and is giving lectures across the country and Man. doing like all kind of amazing stuff. And it's still out here, still out here doing this stuff. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so. I mean, with Provision Path, I'm certainly fortunate to be able to like share that story and and to bring more awareness to people in general about what Black folks are doing in design, like everywhere. Like, I just had this year my first Black designer in South America, which is something I wanted to have for a long time. I was like, I'm going to hit every continent. Couldn't hit Antar- Antarctica, but <laughs> I didn't had I didn't talk to a Black designer on every continent Dope. so far. Start, you know, with 2022 uh, this year with someone in South America. So, yeah, I just want to keep going and, like, keep telling more stories and getting more folks on here to tell their stories. So, folks know that we did. We did exist to that end about, like, the whole Black Squares thing. In 2020, that summer, I was looking up, like, a bunch of, like, old Ebony and Jet magazines and stuff. And, like, Google has, I think Google has the full archive, the full digital archive of Ebony magazine. And so, I was looking at issues from when dr king was assassinated okay and when i tell you it was the exact same thing about like companies posting black squares (laughs) exact same thing yeah people were doing back then when king died like sometimes even the same verbiage wow i'm like this is wild this is wild
1: And that's one thing Cheryl, um Ms. Miller was saying. She was like, she was like, just change it. You want to, you want to make change, you know, do it. You, you, you know, we all, these like people that have positions to do it. They don't want to do it. This right here is a moment in time. Like she said, I've seen it before. I'm not even thrilled by it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mm-hmm. thrilled by it at all. You know, and you know, just from her telling me, hearing stories that, you know, I've never heard before. One day, Thankfully, you know you're doing what you're doing, so people will have we're able to to control like our own narrative more so now. It was great, but at the same time, it's kind of bittersweet as well. You know, right, right. Like wow, man, I'm experiencing the same thing my elders experienced. Like, like, how come I don't know about Cheryl Miller? Like, you know, the woman who. <laughs> the woman who created the original BET logo, you know what I'm saying? A logo mm-hmm. who, who was a part of something that's a part of my childhood. Like, why why more people don't know about who this woman is right here? I'm honored that I was able to speak with her and just basically just sit and listen to her talk. man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just sit and listen to her, to her talk and to have a quote from her in the documentary, I was like, man, I, that was a great bookend on it, right? You know, it was a real book into the project, you know, the, like I said, you know, when you watch it in the very beginning, it says how it started and at the end, it says how it's going. And you see her quote at the end, like someone who's been around, that predates all of us. She predates even say, you know what I mean? Who has like, you know, 40 something years of work, you know, she predates him. So to have some, like someone like an OG, basically a vet, you know, have her, To be a part of the project, man. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everybody that was a part of helping me put this project together, just like me, man. I'm thankful for everybody, man. But yeah, Cheryl Miller's amazing.
0: Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like, what do you want kind of the next chapter of your legacy to be?
1: I want to be known as a painter more. I want to be known as that. I want to do gallery shows, more of them, you know, because in the past where I was just doing art shows myself and I was just happy if I was able to fill the room with, you know, friends and stuff like that and and create a memory. I want to sell my work on like a high level. I want to work with more brands, but I want to be working with brands because of like they want to work with me, not because I need a job. I want to bring my personal creativity and my, expertise to a table like yo we want to collab with you like we love your story and I want you know another opportunity to make a project another project like just like me but bigger I know when you you watch the documentary it looks like it was you know it's yeah it's put together very very well but oh man that this <laughs> we were like building the car while we were driving it making this thing right here we were really making something out of nothing but it looks like it's on a high level so I would really like to Have a chance to make something, you know. Maybe I don't know if it's the same type of topic or something completely different. You know, I wouldn't mind doing like directing another project. All in all, I just want to continue to be creative, continue to make a living and live comfortable using my imagination, man. I don't know where it's going to go in the next five years, but I'm speaking into existence right now what I want. And truthfully, I feel like. I can't even fathom what's going to be for me because it's going to be something that I'm not even expecting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like this just like this documentary. Just like, I mean, we haven't talked on it. We didn't mention it, but working on a project for um, Nas, you know what I'm saying? Well, I worked on a few projects for Nas, but um, having my name in the credits next to Nas and Kanye, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. I'm like, you can't erase my name from this project. You know what I'm saying? I've worked on this right here. You know what I'm saying? Like I, if you would have told me at the time, you know, 15 years ago that, Hey, you're going to work on this project. You're going to be the person who designs and put this thing together. You know, I'm like, how is that going to happen? I, I couldn't, I'd imagine it, but I was like, wow, it seemed like a fairy tale. but that habit, I did it and it's a thing of the past. Now I'm onto something new like, wow, that's great, you know, and and if you would have told me three years ago that I would direct a documentary, I'm like, how would I do that, you know, and that's going back to what I was, you know, initially saying, like, five years from now, I just want to be doing something great, and making a living, and just putting the best stuff out into the world, man.
0: Well, just to, you know, wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you, and about your work online?
1: Multiple ways, you can check out my site, artbyttk.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-T-T-K.com. You can check my IG as well. You know, it's uh, instagram.com backslash go TTK go. You can pretty much find me anywhere online with like that go TTK go. And if you want to watch the documentary, just like me, it's on my site as well. And, but it's also you can go to like the actual micro site. The site is um just like me dash Havas. That's H-A-V-A-S dot com. So just like me dash dot com. And you can, you know, read a little bit about the project, like a short description of it and like the creation of it. And you can watch the documentary. The documentary is only it's just under 30 minutes, but it's strong. It's, it's a very powerful piece that I'm really I'm really proud of. I, I always say like that project is my Magnum Opus project at the moment. Yeah, that's where you can find me at.
0: TTK, I wanna thank you so much for coming on the show. One, you know, for sharing your story, which again, I hope people will check out the documentary so they can get a chance to to like, you know, see it for themselves. But also just your whole story about like perseverance and pursuing your creative passion. I think that's something that hopefully a lot of people can get inspired by. And I'm excited to see what you do next. You know, if this documentary is any indication, I'm pretty sure what's coming up next is going to be great. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: No, brother. Thank you for having me on here. Thank you. Also want to thank my partner, Siobhan, because she was, you know, very vigilant about trying to get me on your show. So (laughs) thank you to Siobhan as well, man. And she's, at Siobhan Media and on IG and um on like Twitter. So um yeah, thank you to Siobhan. I'm honored to be a part of this. And maybe, I don't know, five years from now, maybe you'll reach out to me to revisit what's going on in my life or whatever project I got going on, man, you know? There you go. All right. Yeah.
0: Big, big thanks to TTK. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about TTK and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by R.J. Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are provided by Brevity and Wit. This episode of Revision Path is also brought to you by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With over 400-plus domain extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions, Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. So what did you think of the interview? Better yet, what do you think about the podcast overall? You know, we'd love to hear from you, so please hit us up on social media. We'd love to love to hear from you. We're on both Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or on Spotify. The more people you tell about the show, the bigger we become and the further we can extend our reach to talk to black designers, developers, artists, and other digital creatives from all over the world. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.